This is The Guardian. Today, as the Israel-Gaza conflict intensifies, how will Labour survive the fury and the fallout? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Britain must. Britain can. Britain will get its future back. Thank you, conference. Just over three weeks ago, Keir Starmer had reasons to celebrate. The Labour Party had a 20-point lead in the polls. He had led a successfully smooth Labour conference. And there was a public projection of party unity, even as war broke out in Israel and Gaza. When I was walking around conference, there was mention of Israel, rightly so, but there was really an erasure of Palestine. And I remember feeling uneasy about that. But nonetheless, I decided, you know, I was at a conference, I was going to focus and, you know, do my work there. And then this LBC interview took place. Israel must have that, does have that right to defend herself. Um, And Hamas bears responsibility. A siege is appropriate, cutting off power, cutting off water. I remember feeling really shocked and stunned that Keir Starmer is on live radio endorsing collective punishment of the Palestinians. Quite suddenly, the Labour leadership was in trouble. Shaista Aziz has been a Labour Party member for most of her life. She became a Labour councillor in her hometown of Oxford in 2019. I grew up watching my dad going off to conference and being a really vocal and visible member of the Labour trade union movement. And my mum was also a trade unionist. The Labour Party and what it represents was something that I grew up with. Like hundreds of Labour councillors across the country, Shaisa has taken a stand against Keir Starmer's refusal to call for a ceasefire. I decided to email the local and national administration just to get clarity and we didn't really receive a proper response for more than 24 hours and when we did we received a copy and paste email about Hamas we were asking about the civilians of Gaza and the response was all about Hamas. Shaisla quit the party. Eight more colleagues in Oxford joined her and the council has lost its Labour majority. I have to tell you that I never ever thought that I would be resigning from the Labour Party based on the leader putting out a statement which really is endorsing collective punishment of Palestinians, the Labour Party ignoring international law. Now, MPs, mayors and even shadow ministers are publicly disagreeing with Starmer. And of course, beyond them, there is growing anger amongst voters. There was this belief that the four million uh, British Muslims in this country would always be loyal to the Labour Party. And overwhelmingly, the community has stuck with Labour through all of Labour's psychodramas. 
However, that's really shifting. I have never seen this level of sadness before. I have never seen this level of anger. This is really another episode of the Labour Party for many people. You know, they feel that they're being let down again. They feel like this happened with Iraq um, and now it's happening again with Palestine. From The Guardian, I'm Nosheen Iqbal. Today in Focus, Keir Starmer's battle to keep the Labour Party together. Elita Adu, you're a political correspondent for The Guardian and you've been reporting as Keir Starmer faces the biggest parliamentary challenge to his leadership over his position of the Israel-Gaza conflict. Can you start by telling me what that position is? Well, Keir Starmer's latest position is that he understands why people are calling for a ceasefire at this stage, but he doesn't believe it's the correct thing to do right now. Um, He said a ceasefire would potentially freeze the conflict and would allow Hamas to launch attacks against Israel again in the future. So instead of a ceasefire, he's called for a temporary humanitarian pause that would allow aid to get into Gaza and for hostages to leave. And so he said he's not calling for a ceasefire right now, but... His position up until this week has been pretty inconsistent on this conflict. Can you just roll me back through some of that? Yes, well, I mean, his position has changed over the last three weeks now. So the final day of Labour conference, he was interviewed by Nick Ferrari on LBC and essentially said that Israel had the right to cut off power, water, electricity from Gaza. A siege is appropriate. Cutting off power, cutting off water. I think that Israel does have that right. It is an ongoing situation. Um, Obviously, everything should be done within international law, but I don't want to step away from the sort of core principles that Israel has a right to defend herself and Hamas bears responsibility. For many people, they were obviously very upset by his LBC comments and... Instead of clarifying at that point, uh, the Labour leadership sent out the shadow Attorney General, Emily Thornbury, to pretty much double down on what Keir Starmer said. Do you think cutting off food, water and electricity is within international law? I think that Israel has an absolute right to defend itself That's against terrorism. That's not the question I asked. It is an answer to the question that, that you've asked, and I think it's an appropriate one at this time. And then... Basically, they made no such clarification or, you know, any attempt to really clarify what Keir Starmer had meant to say until 10 days later. And this was in the morning of the the by-election results. The Conservatives have suffered crushing defeats in two by-elections overnight, with Labour overturning substantial majorities in both Mid-Bedfordshire and Tamworth. The result in Mid-Bedfordshire... Labour, you know, won a double by-election win, but obviously that was sort of masked by the fact that this communications error was still ongoing. So let me be clear about what I was saying and what I wasn't saying. I was saying Israel had the right to self-defence and when I said that right, it was that right to self-defence. I was not saying that Israel had the right to cut off water, food, fuel or medicines. Many people couldn't understand what had taken him more than a week to come out and just simply say that. The tensions were really 
brewing at this point in time. Like dozens of councillors were resigning. We had council leaders coming out urging Keir to meet with them. You know, Labour's chief of staff, Sue Gray and David Lammy had meeting with groups of councillors. This is a sort of back and forth of meetings constantly as the tensions were not easing. The week after, Keir Starmer had finally gone to a mosque in South Wales to meet with the the community leaders in the region. More chaos unfolded later that day after, on his Twitter feed, Keir Starmer seemed to just erase the fact that he had taken on board the comments they had made about his need to really push for support of those in Gaza, as well as the Israeli hostages. So he sort of missed that out. The community leaders in South Wales were really annoyed, released a statement basically saying... They contradicted what he said pretty much, didn't they? (laughs) Exactly. Um, And they were also upset with some of the photographs that Kira had used on his social media feed because it seemed as though he was getting this sort of red carpet treatment Mm. when in actual fact it was a very tense, a very tense meeting. Two days after this meeting in South Wales, um, Keir and Angela Rayner met with solely just Labour Muslim MPs who Mm. had been feeling the heat of their own constituents and people that they know and their councillors. I was told that, you know, Angela Rayner was a bit more quiet than usual um, and all the MPs have sort of made the case that they are desperately not trying to make this a Jewish versus Muslim mm. membership issue. And they are desperately trying to ensure that he gets his comms on point so that it doesn't feel as though they are trying to pit themselves against each other, but rather because of his LBC comments and because it took him so long to clarify, uh, there are many people, many Labour members, who feel as though they can't trust Keir Starmer's word because it just didn't feel uh, very valid to them. So where has it all ended up for Starmer? It's ended up with Keir Starmer, the leader of the opposition. He does not actually have any sort of power to really influence what's going on in the Middle East. Uh, Making this big speech at the Chatham House think tank on Tuesday, essentially setting out his latest position in which he's rejecting all calls, including from the most senior people in the Labour Party, for a ceasefire. While I understand calls for a ceasefire at this stage, I do not believe that it is the correct position now, because a ceasefire always freezes any conflict in the state where it currently lies. And as we speak, that would leave Hamas with the infrastructure and the capability to carry out the sort of attack we saw on October the 7th. Starmer obviously felt the need to make this speech as a sort of means to unify his front bench. And I'm not sure that many are still on board, but obviously it's definitely calmed down the major initial tensions. For a lot of people, the idea of calling for a ceasefire, you know, a suspension of fighting, seems objectively an urgent and humanitarian thing to do. Lisa, why has it become such an apparently controversial position to take? I think the problem is Israel's Prime Minister, Benjamin Netanyahu, has said that any calls for a ceasefire, essentially, he's taking them as calls for Israel to surrender to Hamas. No international leader really wants to be going against Israel at this point in time, mainly because of the hostages that are still there. Mm. So to be honest, as long as Joe Biden is struggling to go a bit further, 
than the humanitarian pools and call for a ceasefire. There's no way that our Prime Minister Rishi Sunak is going to be doing that and we'll not be seeing Keir Starmer going Further above and beyond uh, Rishi Sunak because ultimately uh, Labour is doing very well in the polls at the moment and Labour, with every move that they make, they're being seen as, you know, oh, was this what they would do in government? And Labour wants to put itself as being seen as a real player on the international scene. Well, Ita, week by week, the protests calling for peace in the region, calling for Palestinian rights are growing. Um, the Home Secretary, Suela Braverman, has repeatedly called for stricter policing and she's ramped up the idea that some of the protest charts or flags should be criminalised. What do we know about where public opinion is on this? There's a YouGov poll showing that almost 80% of the public, as of earlier this week, were backing calls for a ceasefire and that they just don't want any more conflict in the region. Uh, I think there's been an Ipsos poll as well that shows that more than 70% of the British public are just concerned about the ongoing conflict between Palestinians and Israeli civilians. Mm. They're seeing all of these horrible images coming out, lots of children under rubble, um, and we're still hearing about the hostages that are being held in Israel, but I don't want to go into too much detail, but it's incredibly harrowing. Uh, so I think that's where the public sits. And I think Suella Braverman's comments earlier this week have been, you know, taken really badly by a number of people. She essentially was calling most of the peaceful demonstrations, classing them as hate marches, mm. which is simply not the case. Alita, more than a dozen front benches, including Naz Shah and Jess Phillips, have broken with Labour's party line and they've called for an Israel-Gaza ceasefire. Starmer, as you've said, has refused to back one. Who else has come out in opposition to what he's saying? So on the same day, this is a Friday, we had Labour heavyweights Anna Sawa, leader of the Scottish Labour Party, Andy Burnham, Greater Manchester Mayor, and London Mayor Steve Khan breaking ranks and calling for a ceasefire. It was a real moment. Obviously, Sadiq Khan has the biggest mandate within the Labour Party than any other politician. So I think that's really important to note. I understand that Sadiq had warned Starmer a day before saying that I'm going to put out this, mm. you know, really glitzy social media video. And I understand that Starmer's kind of like, I really hope that you consider your position overnight. And obviously, Friday morning, Sadiq Khan started off those calls. I joined the international community in calling for a ceasefire. It would stop the killing and would allow vital aid supplies to reach those who need it in Gaza. It would also allow the international community more time to prevent a protracted conflict in the region and further devastating loss of life. It's really interesting, obviously, that they made that call on a Friday, given Sadiq Khan is Muslim and so is Anna Sawa, because I was told by you know, many Muslim counsellors, they were feeling the pressure every time they went to Friday mosque, every mm. time they'd meet with their community, their community leaders, the imams, they'd be questioned, like, what exactly are you doing? Why have you not resigned? Why are you not calling for a ceasefire? Labour does not value Muslim or Palestinian lives at this point in time. Obviously, we've had lots of clarifications on Labour's stance since, but the sentiment is still there because those LBC clips are still being shared in dozens of WhatsApp groups. And it's not just the mayors. The calls from senior front benches are also growing. 
the first shadow cabinet meeting after the LBC, that LBC interview, I should say. Uh, we heard from the likes of West Streeting and Louise Hay, who were speaking out, urging Starmer that we need to really get a grip on how we're getting our messaging across. We've got people who have Muslim-majority constituencies uh, speaking out, uh, obviously the likes of Jess Phillips. Yasmin Qureshi made a really sort of bold moment of using Prime Minister's questions to make her call for a ceasefire. This is collective punishment of the Palestinian people in Gaza for crimes they did not commit. How many more innocent Palestinians must die before this Prime Minister calls for humanitarian ceasefire? She's usually quite loyal, and so mm. it's a real breadth of people. We're not just talking about hard left-wingers of the party, but people who are very much on board with Starmer's mission at the moment. So that's why it's a real crisis, and I think that's why we saw Starmer deciding to make this speech at Chatham House earlier this week. As you've said, this chapter seems to have marked the beginning of a new and bitter rift within the Labour Party. Alita, how widespread is that divide and how much more likely is it to get bigger? Um, So we're seeing hundreds of Muslim councillors who are trying their best to stay within the party and, you know, ease tensions with their own uh, communities, urging Starmer to call for a ceasefire. We've got non Muslim Labour councillors now calling out for Starmer to change his position. The fact that many of them are coming out, putting their name to these letters that are going into the leadership, almost about 330 of them, is quite significant. Obviously, councillors are rooted within their communities. They are delivering Labour's message. And if they're coming out saying, look, this isn't good enough, it does ring alarm bells, really, for the leadership, especially a leadership in which... You know, there has been a lot of unity as of late. There's a real turnaround for the party and it's going to be a real moment. Well, as I understand it, there didn't seem to be any real indication that Starmer would be disciplining people if they veered from his position. And yet on Monday, he suspended Labour MP for Middlesbrough, Andy MacDonald, for saying, and I quote, Until all people, Israelis and Palestinians, between the river and the sea, can live in peaceful liberty... And he went on at a pro-Palestine rally. Now, the slogan, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free, has become controversial because some critics say it calls for the destruction of Israel. MacDonald says he was using the phrase to call for peace. What does it say about how Starmer is handling the politics of this crisis and his party? Labour's decision to suspend Andy MacDonald raised eyebrows across the party. Uh, Many had felt that uh, they had gone a bit too far. I think this crisis has been really interesting for the Labour Party uh, because we could see how Kistan will be handling many rebellions under a potential Labour government. Obviously, we saw Starmer's reign, we saw him as somebody who's very ruthless, he's got you know, lots of people in his team who are you know, ready to sort of you know, discipline MPs and get them on board with messaging and that has been very successful to date but as of earlier this week when we heard a shadow cabinet minister Peter Kyle suggesting front benches, they won't be punished for calling for a ceasefire. He won't necessarily be on a, a sacking spree. 
Yes, and maybe, you know, he does have the capacity to ensure that Labour remains a broad church that's been something that people have been worried about under Starmer's leadership so far. The fact that Starmer is willing to listen and allow people to make their own cases for things could suggest that, uh, yeah, he might not be as authoritarian as we think, or at least when it comes to really sensitive issues like a conflict like this, he will be able to give people that leeway. Coming up, how is the shadow of Jeremy Corbyn influencing Labour's stance on Israel and Gaza? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Today in Focus is supported by BetterHelp. Here's a question. If you had an extra hour in your day... What would you do with it? Watch TV? Read a book? Meet up with a friend? Maybe a little nap? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. But for what? Perhaps to best answer that, you need to work out what's truly important to you, then make that a priority. Therapy can help you work out what's most important to you. It isn't just for those who've unfortunately experienced trauma in their lives. Therapy can be helpful for learning positive coping skills and for setting boundaries. It can empower you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash todayinfocus today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash todayinfocus. Later, what has the Labour Party's position historically looked like on the subject of Israel-Palestine? Labour has always tried a careful line uh, supporting both Israel's right to exist, but also the Palestinians' right not to have their land occupied, basically supporting the two-state solution. Well, Jeremy Corbyn was unashamedly pro-Palestinian. He also plunged Labour into a crisis over anti-Semitism within the party. Now, the two things shouldn't necessarily be conflated. Advocating for the rights of Palestinians isn't anti-Semitic. But Corbyn's leadership appears to have done much more harm on the issue than good. Can you explain why that is and why the subject has now become so contentious for Starmer and the Labour Party? You're absolutely right. The two issues shouldn't be conflated. Um, And unfortunately, under Jeremy Corbyn's leadership, there was a problem over anti-Semitism within the Labour Party. 
Corbyn himself, I think, once in 2009 referred to Hamas as quote-unquote friends, though in, I think in 2016 he really strongly expressed that he regretted that. But ever since, there's been this feeling that politically they've had to overcompensate for Corbyn's sort of almost pro-Hamas support, which is obviously not the case, as he stressed. But Labour are desperate to be careful not to give the Tories any ammunition over this Mm. issue. Obviously, anti-Semitism crisis in Labour was huge. Starmer has done his best to to root it out. Uh, But every now and again, you hear during, even during Prime Minister's questions, that sometimes... There'll be a jab. There'll be a jab, uh, likening Keir Starmer to Jeremy Corbyn. And really, that can't be the case for Labour going into a general election campaign if they're desperate to keep on top of the polls. So dealing with multiple internal struggles, unlike, I mean, if we turn our attention for a moment to the Tories, because... The Prime Minister has been unequivocal in his support for Israel. He went to Tel Aviv and he declared, we want you to win to Prime Minister Netanyahu. On Monday, Rishi Sunak sacked Peterborough MP Paul Bristow as a ministerial aide when Bristow broke from the party line. He was the only one to do so. And he called for a ceasefire. Is there much division within the Tory party on this conflict? Largely, I'd say the Conservative Party are quite unified, actually, um, which is very interesting. Paul Bristow, being the MP for Peaceborough, has a Muslim population, which is almost double the national average. So I think Paul Bristow, being a, also a 2019 intake MP, sort of considering his future, is quite rightly being like, well, you know, somebody has to raise some sort of concern Mm. on behalf of his own constituents and also for the Muslim community, which, yeah, nobody else within the Conservative benches have done so just yet. But all in all, the Conservatives do seem a bit more unified than Labour. And they're already jumping on the attack and being like, well, look at Rishi Sunak. He's keeping his party in control. Mm. He demoted Paul Bristow. Even Paul Bristow, oh, yes, Rishi, you were quite right to sack me. (laughs) Thank you very much. Yes, this is all great. Um, And obviously, Starmer is still facing a lot of pressure within his party. Well, let's come to that, because Alita is obviously a really emotive subject. It's become incredibly politicised at home. Do you think this could spill over into a full revolt within Labour? And if so... Is there a point at which Starmer could change his position? Obviously, if we've touched upon, there are really real strong emotions across the party. But it's very unlikely that Starmer is going to suddenly call for a ceasefire unless the conflict in Gaza really worsened over the next few days. Obviously, Israel is only in its second stage you know, we're still unsure on how, how far they could go or are willing to go. But I think Starmer will be largely guided by what Israel does and obviously what the US does and where the government decides to go. But we're not likely to see this upset or anger die down anytime soon because it built up so suddenly and it took the leadership quite a bit of time to get things right. People are still a bit uneasy. And I think despite Starmer sort of changing his position last week and calling for these humanitarian corridors, it didn't seem like this week he had much else to add, even though obviously his tone is much softer and he's really trying to show that he empathises with all communities who are going through intense distress at this time. Elita, at the beginning of this episode, we heard from Shaister Aziz, who said that this was reminding voters of how let down they felt by Labour during the Iraq war. 
That obviously dragged down support for Labour for years. Do you think Starmer's position on Palestine could have a similar effect? I think a number of the MPs I've spoken to have felt like the anger from their constituents is like that of the Iraq war, maybe even a bit worse, given that we didn't really use Twitter or X back in those times. So obviously they're trying to like weigh up the scale of things. But we must remember that Labour does have a huge Muslim vote. It may be the case that even if there are lots of Labour Muslim voters who decide to not back Labour, maybe Labour could still win because it's winning over lots of Conservative voters and Liberal Democrat voters. But ultimately, I think the the wider argument is that it's quite a sad time for the Labour Party as well, going back to these internal tensions in which swathes of its membership feel as though they do not count within the party, even though the party are desperate to clarify that that is not the case. So this might be a a real moment in which we, when we're assessing the Labour Party and Keir Starmer's leadership, we'll look back at this time and be like, was there enough empathy given to different community groups and leaders? Did he give enough leeway for people to express their opinions on behalf of their constituents? Or could he have gone harder enough to support Israel and ensure that the hostages could have been released a lot sooner? I mean, only time will tell. Elisa, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. That was Elita Adu, political correspondent for The Guardian. To read The Guardian's coverage on the fallout for Labour and the latest developments on the conflict in Israel and Gaza, do head to theguardian.com. That's it for today. I'm Nasheen Iqbal, and this episode was produced by Natalie Khatena and Sami Kent. Sound design is by Rudy Zagadlo. The executive producer was Huma Khalili. We'll be back tomorrow. is The Guardian. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.